before we begin, let's let's pray. Father God, ask that you would guide us into a place of of understanding and discernment as we open the book that contains your marvelous words. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would bring life into this congregation as you have promised. Lord, I ask that you would help us to show that life to our community. By your name we pray, amen. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 is where we will be today. The question and the title of our sermon is, How can we be holy? How do we be holy? Now I want to review last week. Last week we were in the book of 1 Peter as well. We were in the first few verses. Uh, We started uh, with uh, some background of Peter. The disciple Peter, he's, he's a man with a lot of passion and a lot of emotion. He was a disciple of Jesus, and often his emotion would get the best of him. Even after being with Jesus for several years personally and learning from Jesus, he would still let his emotion control him and get the best of him. The one thing that seemed to straighten out Simon Peter was the resurrection of Jesus. That was the biggest event of his life. Quite frankly, it's the biggest event of all our lives. So it's no surprise that Peter starts his letter to us encouraging us through the resurrection. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, let's review a few points from last week's sermon. Live with great hope. This allows us to live with great hope, the resurrection of Christ. It allows us to live with great hope right now, this very day. And the resurrection of Jesus guarantees a priceless inheritance for us in heaven. And we can be assured that we will be saved from hell on the last day. It's all centered around The resurrection of Jesus. We have to know this. These few things that Peter reviewed in the first three verses of his letter. We have to know them because the next verse that we will study this week. Verse 13. We see a word and it is therefore. Therefore, the resurrection of Jesus, all those things that we received and that we read from Peter, the great hope now, the priceless inheritance, and that we will be saved from hell on the last day. Therefore, or so, so means there was something that precedes that. So, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. 
Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now, you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy, for I am holy. Our first point for today comes from verse 13. Prepare and exercise. Prepare and exercise. How do we be holy? Peter says here, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Prepare your minds for action. Sounds kind of fun, right? Prepare your minds for action. All of us are looking for a little bit of action. Maybe a lot of action. Sounds kind of kind of great. It, how do we prepare our minds for action, though? Uh, sounds pretty simple. It's a no-brainer. Just prepare our minds for action. You know, we prepare for things every day. You do your hair or you uh, check the oil in your car. You prepare for the day. But in this scripture, there's a lot that plays into that. Preparing your mind. Let's look at it in the context of the life of the man who wrote these words. Prepare your mind for action. Do you think Peter was prepared for what he was getting into when he signed on to be a disciple of Christ? Do you think he was prepared for that? Most assuredly, we can probably say he did not know what he was getting into. Uh, Jesus even told him what he was getting into, but he still didn't know the whole process of what was going on. If Peter were preaching to us right now, He would probably say, I had no idea what was going to happen next. One minute I was supposed to stay up and keep watch while Jesus prayed. And I failed at that. And Jesus rebuked me. And the next thing I know, the Romans were arresting him. And and I was determined not to fail that time. And so I pulled out my sword. I sprang into action. Well, I failed that too. And then Jesus rebuked me. Peter was in front of us right now. Uh, He might say something like, when Jesus was teaching us, I thought he was going to live forever. I mean, he was the Son of God. And then he died on the cross. My mind wasn't prepared for that. And then he came back to life, and he was with us. For a while, and it seemed to make more sense then that he would live forever. And the next thing I know, he ascended into heaven and we got the Holy Spirit. And that's the kind of action that I want you to prepare your minds for. 
Peter, in a sense, is telling us. Prepare for Jesus to do the impossible in your life. Is there anyone in the house that's been in trouble, uh, been in a bind in your life? And in the past, you've said, boy, there's no way that I'm ever going to get out of this one. It's just not going to get any better after this. Well, if you said that, you're here today, you know, maybe this is not the best of times right now. Maybe you're not doing great in life, but you're here. You're sitting among people who love you. I think you're going to be all right. You've got to prepare your mind for it. Otherwise, otherwise Jesus done did what he needed to do to save you and you're sitting there uh, twiddling your thumbs. You youngins, do you know what it is to twiddle your thumbs? This is, this is the old-fashioned fidget spinner. <laughs> Basically what it is, is you're not doing anything at all. You're just uh, kind of wasting time. You know, there's work to do and you're all hung up on, on the sin that you won't give over to Jesus. That's what Peter's saying here. You're stuck. And you've got to be mindful, folks, that when you ask Jesus for forgiveness, He will forgive you, and you can move on. Stop twiddling your thumbs or or wasting time. You have to prepare for the impossible to happen in your life when you invite Jesus in. Like forgiving you and being forgiven of that thing, whatever it is that you thought it was impossible for you to move on from. Prepare for Him to do the impossible in your life. Also, we must prepare for Jesus to do the impossible in other people's lives. It isn't our job to judge whether someone will be saved or not. James chapter 4 verse 12 tells us this, God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? What right do you have? Man, don't be surprised when God does amazing things in other people's lives. Some of you, maybe you know people that have turned their lives around, a complete 180 degree turn. Maybe some of you know a fellow named Steve McQueen. He was an actor, a, 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 a daredevil, a stunt driver. He was living a pretty foolish life, if we could say so. Yet he gave his life to Jesus. He devoted it to his Lord and Savior and turned around. Alice Cooper, anybody know him? So yeah, uh, not a guy that I am uh, would originally be proud of talking about, even saying his name, like a rock and roll, uh, just 
doing all everything opposite of what Scripture says we should do. Being a horrible example to our community and especially the teenagers who enjoyed listening to him at that point in time. In 2006, Alice Cooper gave his life to Christ and is now uh, working to grow the kingdom of God. Pretty amazing. C.S. Lewis, Lee Strobel, two fellows that are working hard to tell others about the good news, but once they were lost, once they were going the opposite way of Christ, don't be surprised when God does amazing things in other people's lives. This is all part of preparing for that to happen. Preparing our minds, as Peter says, in the King James Version, it keeps the original text as it was tra- it translates it literally. First Peter chapter one verse thirteen says, "Gird up the loins of your mind." Now I I love I have no problem with the King James whatsoever. Um, I I study it and I, I look at several different translations. What do you do with that though? Gird up the loins of your mind. S- sometimes it's good to have a little bit different wording because that one doesn't apply to our culture here. What do you do with that? Well, you can uh, look at other translations to kind of help or you you can study into it. I think that's where we really gain some, some 3D understanding of what's going on in our scripture, studying into that. So we read, gird up the loins of your mind. Originally, the men wore these like skirt things. There wasn't Levi's or Wranglers back then. Uh, they had dresses, and, and we don't like to think about that, but this is the way it was. And so when a man had to do some hard work, he had to run, had to get somewhere, you know, with a skirt. I've, I've never experienced this, but with a skirt on, I suppose, you can't stretch your legs out. So what did you do? You, you girt, you you get a hold of that skirt, you pull it up, and you tuck it in your belt. Then you can run. And so, here it is. Gird up your loins. That's what it means. Clear your mind. Yeah, it is something, something is keeping you, preventing you from going as fast as, as what you want to go, what you need to go. And by the way, Peter, can, can you imagine him... Uh, trying to write this letter to when he's writing it to the believers um, he's thinking how do I explain this so that they will understand I want them to know that they need a, a clear mind they need to prepare their minds to get their minds ready and he's thinking oh you know you know one time the the third day after my savior had died very early in the morning, Mary Magdalene comes. We were all uh, mourning because Jesus had died. And Mary Magdalene comes and she's running to us. And she said, hey, his body, Jesus' body is not in the tomb anymore. It's gone. Peter would say, me and John, boy, we got a little bit excited. What is this? And so we took off running 
and I don't know if this is the case or not, but uh, the scripture says that John beat Peter to the tomb. I don't know. But I think that John had his uh, loins girded up. And Peter was... (laughs) And so Peter's thinking, oh, that's the perfect way. Back then, I would have made it to the tomb first if I would have had girded up my loins. And so that's what I want to get to the cross to them here. You have to have a clear, you have to prepare your mind so that you can go as fast as you can where you need to go. And where is Peter going to get to at the tomb? He's going where his Lord was. There's two situations in the Bible that tell us to run. Two situations. Number one, run from sin. First Corinthians chapter six, verse eighteen says, Run from sexual sin. Run from it. First Corinthians chapter ten, verse fourteen says, Flee from idolatry. Run from it. Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty two says, Flee from youthful passions, the things you used to do when you didn't know any better. Run from them. Put as much distance between you and sin as you can. Gird up them loins so you can get away from it. Put that space in between you and the sin. The second thing we uh, see in Scripture in which it tells us to run is to run to God. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to Him and are safe. Run to God. Pursue God with all your ability, with all your energy. Pursue God. The rest of verse 13, the last part of it, is put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. All of it. All your ability. All your energy. All your hope. Gird up them loins. Prepare your mind. And then run with all that you have. A little bit of application on preparing our minds. How do we prepare our mind? Like Peter is saying to us, uh, Psalm 119, verse 12 through 16. The psalmist says, I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. Oh, I think this is good. This is good for us understanding how to prepare our minds. First, praise God. Praise the Lord. Give Him all the credit. And then, the psalmist says, I have recited aloud all the regulations that you have given us. Say them aloud. Say the word that we read in here. Uh, Say it to your children. Say it to yourself. Uh, Say it so that you can hear yourself. 
Recite them. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in, as in riches. What does rejoicing mean? You know, we already said praising God. Now, how, what's the difference here in rejoicing? Well, it says in your laws. It's a, it's a gladness, a thankfulness, a gratefulness, rejoicing, a peace that is within us. We are so glad. We rejoice that God gives us his word. It's worth more than any kind of riches we can get from the world. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. Uh, We know how important it is to study God's commandments and study them in depth. Otherwise, we have no idea what girding our loins means. Study it. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Delight. Uh, do you guys get up in the morning and just just be happy that we have the opportunity to believe in Jesus? Just be be joyful that there is that option that we can rest assured that we have a citizenship in heaven because of what Jesus did for us. It's all there, guys. Praise God. Recite His word. Rejoice in His law. Study his commandments and delight in his decrees. That's how we prepare our minds. Now, the other part of that, prepare our minds, Peter says, exercise self-control. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, second part, exercise self-control. Now, that's a little more difficult than a walk in the park for exercise. The idea of self-control controlling ourselves it's a, one of the fruits of the spirit so that means it's it's a pretty important deal that we need to to work on james chapter 1 verse 19 says you must all be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to get angry uh we should probably keep a sharpie by our bed and every morning we get up write that on the palm of our hand or on our arm uh, slow to speak, slow to get angry, but quick to listen. Probably prevent a lot of uh, mistakes that we make throughout the day. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Uh, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Let the Holy Spirit guide you, not your sinful nature. That's how we prepare our minds. That's how we exercise self-control. Letting the Holy Spirit guide us, not ourselves. Our second point today is to live as God's children. And I might add, live as God's obedient children. 
Because that's exactly what the scripture says. First Peter verse chapter one verse fourteen live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. How do we be holy? Live as God's obedient children. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let's pause right there for a second. Uh, copying behavior is exactly what a child does. This is how he learns. So, if you... Uh, get up in the morning and you're running late and the garage door won't open and you kick the garage door and swear at it, then guess what your kid's going to do the next time he tries to open the garage door and it doesn't open? Kick it and swear at it. Uh, Copy what uh, our parents do. When we get older, we can either copy the world or copy God. The rest of that verse is, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The pattern is God should influence the parent and should influence the child. The child should imitate what their parent is doing. That only works well if the parent is imitating what God is doing. If we cut the God out and the parent out, that leaves the world and the child is left with imitating the world. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now remember, the spirit and the sinful nature, they are in constant uh, constant battle. They're constantly fighting against each other. Uh, You'll be trying to live as God's obedient child, and sinful nature will want to pull you back. Peter warns us, don't slip back into those old ways. Don't slip back. Uh, There's a proverb about this. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 11. As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats its foolishness. This is a great illustration. The reason it's so good is because it's so disgusting. You picture it. Dog, dog, yeah. And then they lick it back up, and you're thinking, why are you doing that? Like, it wasn't good. There's a reason that you're, it wasn't good for you in the first place. You think you're going to eat it again, and it's going to be better the second time? It's going to be all right for you? Disgusting. What makes. What makes you think it'll be good the second time around? Well, we sin, and it wreaks havoc on our lives. And then 
we do it again? What makes us think it will work the second time? I think about idolatry in the Old Testament. Time after time. After time again in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they practiced idolatry like God would prove himself to them and they would be on their knees, praise God, he is holy, he is amazing and all-powerful and the next thing you know, they're forming a golden calf or they're worshiping idols that won't do anything and the idols, they never do anything, they never fulfill it, but they continue to go to the idols that have failed so many times in the past. Why do it again? If it didn't work the first time, God has proved himself over and over. Man, our sin, it, it may make, make us feel good for a minute, but it's empty. And it brings pain. And it never brings fulfillment. Many of us can remember a time when when we didn't know any better. We didn't know. There comes a time when you have to grow up spiritually. You have to leave the vomit on the ground where it belongs. Don't repeat the foolishness. Don't slip back into your old ways. How do we be holy? By living as God's obedient children. Third point today. Simply, we'll just cut to the chase. Be holy. That's what Peter says here. Be holy. Verse 15 and 16. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy for I am holy. Peter gives us some ideas on what to do. Prepare your minds, exercise self-control, live as obedient children. And now he just flat out says, uh, just do it because God is holy. Just be holy because because God is holy. How in the world do you actually be holy? Well, other than Jesus, there's probably no better one to answer this question than Peter. He can tell us to be holy because he knows how it works. You see, one night, One night, back when Peter and the other disciples were working with Jesus, it was a day that they fed 5,000 people with only five loaves and two fish. That night, Jesus told them to hop on the boat, cross the other side of the lake. Jesus stayed to pray by himself. The disciples, here they were, in trouble, far away from land, because a strong wind had risen. They were fighting heavy waves 
about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. And then Peter called out to him. Now what's, what's Peter going to call out to them? We, we, know, we know Peter's life. And we have a pretty good idea of what Peter's thinking about. Here the waves are almost to take over the boat and it's blowing the wind like crazy and the disciples are in the boat. They're about to capsize. Um, you would think Peter would see, you know, Jesus has just, uh, just came up and maybe he could ask, hey Jesus, can you calm the waves? Can you give us some help here? Uh, calm the wind. We need uh, help right now. But no, that, that makes too much sense. Peter so he doesn't say help us with the boat he's got other things on his mind he he, you got to just love Peter he's looking at the waves and the wind and he says oh Jesus Is it you? If it's really you, tell me to come to you. What was Peter thinking? I'll just hop out the boat when it's about to flip over and leave the rest of the guys in there. The other guys are thinking, oh, this is something Peter would do. Jesus says, so we've been studying uh, some of the Gen Z language, you know, and... uh, you know, there's something, when you hear something that somebody says, that like, you're, okay, that's, that's you know, would be like, they would say, weird flex, but okay. Right, young kids, weird. So, so, so Peter says, Jesus, call me to come to you walking on the water, and I'll come. And I just imagine Peter saying, uh, weird flex, but okay. That's not what he says. But basically... Okay, here's what he really said. Yes, come. And Peter, he went over the side of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. Here Peter is going to Jesus. He's walking to him. Because you don't have to tell Peter something twice to act, he flies over the boat in no time. Now, people don't just go walking on the water. You know what else people don't just do? They don't just shed their sin and get to heaven. People don't just do that. Not without Jesus, that is. But when you focus on the Son of God, powerful good things happen. Peter calls out to Jesus. He calls out to Jesus, we should do the same. 
He obeys Jesus. Yes, come. Hops over the boat. We should do the same. Obey Jesus. And Peter, he gets to feel what it's like to be holy. But when the troubles around him break his concentration and he looks to the chaos instead of the Lord, he begins to sink. But when he saw the strong winds and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Begin to sink. Sink. But Peter, he's... He's had a taste of holiness. He was walking for a little bit on the water. He's had a taste of this holiness. And he knows where it comes from. So quickly he goes back to the source of holiness. Save me, Lord. And Jesus immediately reaches out his hand and pulls Peter back up. And they got back into the boat and the wind stopped. I wonder if Jesus is really ready to stop the wind when Peter hollered out to him in the first place. But Peter said, no, I want to come walking on the water. <clears throat> and Jesus is like, okay, we'll let the wind go for a little bit more, a little bit longer, just to do this thing with Peter. Um, but when they got back in, <clears throat> in the boat, the wind stopped. The others were probably thinking, like I said, you know, we, we could have done without that, Peter. Uh, But, no, they needed to see that probably. They needed to see that when you focus your life on Jesus, He can work out amazing and impossible things in your life. One last thing. When Peter started sinking, he cried for help. And Jesus helped him. And then, when Jesus was helping him, Jesus rebuked him. Peter's been uh, rebuked so many times by Jesus. Right there in the middle of everything, the middle of the storm, the waves, right in front of the disciples, Jesus rebukes Peter. You have so little faith, he says. Why did you doubt me? Kids, kids, don't get angry when you have to be rebuked in the middle of everything in front of your friends by your parents. Don't get angry about that. Your parents are just being like Jesus. And also, folks, we don't always have to learn things the hard way. Kids, you see your brothers and sisters getting in trouble for something. Uh, You know not to do that so that you don't get in trouble. You don't have to do it yourself and get in trouble yourself to understand that that's something you shouldn't do. Uh, Learn from the others. Peter, by the way, was rebuked enough for all of us. All of us here today, Jesus rebuked uh, Peter enough for. Why don't we just learn from... Jesus rebuking him. Learn from that that we need to have 
big faith, not little faith. Jesus told Peter, why so little faith? Big faith is what we should have. Serious faith, focusing on Jesus. And that's what it takes to be holy. We can't be holy on our own. We can't be perfect on our own. Only through Jesus. Only by focusing on Him. God has set a race before us. A race that requires that we be holy to finish it. Let's run this race with endurance. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The one who initiates and perfects our faith. How do we be holy? Maybe when I started this message, you were looking for a list of things that you could do to be holy. Something that you could uh, work at and achieve. Checklist. I want to be holy. So I'm looking for ways to be holy. But it's not like that. You just focus on the Lord Jesus. The the rest will fall in place. It takes a mind that is prepared to do it. You have to exercise some self-control. And you have to accept that you are God's child and guard against slipping back down into the water of the world. Are you ready? There's a storm around us. storm threatens to pull you under. And Peter says, Be holy as God is holy. He's the only way we can be holy. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, through the miraculous uh, rebirth that is available to us by asking Him into our lives, we can be holy. Join with me in prayer. Father God, we recognize that we are not perfect. Lord, we get caught up in the struggle between our sinful nature and Your Spirit, Lord. And it's hard for us to understand that all we need to do is fix our eyes on You. There's so much other things that we want to fix our eyes on that we're tempted by, God. Lord, now we ask your forgiveness and we ask your guidance and we understand there's a lot to do, a lot of work we can do for your kingdom, God, but it starts by putting our faith in you, Jesus. We want to do that right now, Lord. Put our faith in you. 
Lord, we don't want to brag to others around us about being holy because it's not by what we do. It's by your mercy. We want others to experience that mercy as well. Lord, here we are with our hearts open, ready to receive you, Jesus.